Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. You might be right. It's simple, but something you almost never hear in politics today, with each side more concerned about scoring political points than solving problems. I'm Bill Haslam, a Republican. And I'm Phil Bredesen, a Democrat. We're former Tennessee governors, and we invite you to listen to our podcast, You Might Be Right. Join us and guests like Al Gore, Paul Ryan, Judy Woodruff, as we take on important issues facing our country. Listen and subscribe to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee. This is a TMS Studios production, brought to you by Revolver Podcast. Hey, welcome back to Setting It Straight with Selwyn. Today, it's going to be a tearjerker. We have a young lady that has suffered a traumatic situation for many 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 years and hopefully we can bring some light and open some doors for her uh today this is a tearjerker uh trust me this is a tearjerker but before we get to that hello elizabeth how are you doing no uh, uncle Selwyn, i'm personally doing well you know i'm blessed within my own family but when i think of the tragedies that people are facing in our society and the video evidence of Tyree Nichols coming out just recently, and I, I couldn't come myself to watching it, um, but just knowing what the family is going through and then us wanting to bring light to the situations that are similar, like the mother that we're going to have here shortly, talking about what she's having to overcome. It might seem like a lot of our shows are about doom and gloom, but I feel like it's necessary for us to bring attention to these scenarios. Um, First, it might not directly impact a lot of people yet, but at some point in time, it could affect them and it might be too late if they don't take action now. So it's it's important for us to be empathetic to others who are going through traumatic situations like you went through with your nephew. And we're looking forward to bringing on Adrian Miranda shortly. She's a mother who lost her son 17 years ago, who was brutally murdered. And it's it's the things that you will find, there's many gaps and, um, and misunderstandings and cover up. And she's not seeing justice for her son yet. But hopefully, us bringing awareness to it, we can help her case be reopened. We have to establish some sort of ground rules in this world, in, in our justice system. and those ground rules were totally forgotten and totally uh, disemboweled on this particular situation because this situation 
is going to make you feel like what the because this is sad and bad and to see a mama have to go through this when evidence is before your eyes that is what people go off of is what evidence do you have Absolutely. and the evidence is here the evidence is right before your eyes but the powers to be yeah Let's do a, a quick rundown on what happened um, to her son before we bring her on. Um, her son was a beautiful being, super handsome young man, and he happens to be my age. He would be 35 years today, but July 20th, 2006, it was Joseph's last day on this earth. He was going to work not knowing it would be his last. You know... We take for granted, you know, sometimes we just take for granted every day that we have. And I think it's important to be grateful every day we wake up, you, you know, know, I just make I, realize. And you know this, and you've, and we've talked about this, everybody that I care for, and that's a very small list. I have to tell, I love them when I hang up the phone. It's important. You never know. I still have George's happy birthday on on my phone. I still have my nephew uh, got in a car wreck on my phone. Hey, Unc, how are you doing? So every day is precious. Uh, so when it you have an opportunity to express your feelings and your love for someone, tell them, I love you. Absolutely. You never know. And there's so mean, hateful people in this world that are putting people in bad situations because of their sadness that we have to go through this. Let's go ahead and bring on Miss Adrian Miranda. Mama, Mama, how are you? I know how you are. I know how you Hello. are. Let's get down to the get down. And so, tell yes, me. let's let's get down to it. So he was murdered on July 20th, not knowing it would be his last day. And then he was caught off guard. He was waiting his turn to use the Bobcat while drinking a soda when he was abruptly assaulted, pushed behind an oncoming Bobcat that was in reverse. Time out. He wasn't pushed behind. He had to be capacitated. Punched. He had to be punched. Punched. He had to be literally knocked out to have a Bobcat run over you. He had to be incapacitated. And that's the problem that we're dealing with. He, he was. Red mama, get it. He was, he, he, he was, he worked for a landscaping company uh, called Outside Unlimited. And yeah, that was the name of the company. And Joseph was okay. Outside Unlimited Inc. is who Joseph worked for. And a landscaping company and he he um he was 19 years old it was a thursday you know he went to work that morning bye mom i love you I said i love you too sweetheart and i never laid eyes on my child again ever ever but what happened was um he joseph within a year joseph uh, received three promotions. He was a quick study. He loved landscaping, wanted to become a landscaping architect, 
but um, he basically got three promotions within the year, was made, uh, you know, an assistant foreman, then a foreman, worked on the commercial side of the com company. But that particular day, on July 20, 2006, he was told to go up and get the bobcat that was, you know, just uh, slightly on an incline on a dirt road, um, up like a grassy sort of hill a little bit, um, like I said, just a small incline. And um, he was told by his supervisor because they had to load 20 trees that evening. So he, he said, Joe, go get that bobcat. We need to load 20 trees. So Joseph said, okay. And, um, you know, it was a hot, hot day. And he was making his way, you know, up the, up the path. Uh, and he, he flagged the driver down, just like you're supposed to, the driver of the Bobcat. It was a driver, Antonio Rubio, and what they call a spotter, which is really a safety position. His name is Paul Godwin. So Joseph approached, and he made eye contact with the driver and, you know, waved him down. And the driver saw Joseph and, you know, said yes, like, you, you know, come, you, you can approach and the driver was stopped and the driver leaned out, Joseph leaned slightly in and said, Tono, his name was Antonio, Joe calls him Tono, Tono, I need to use the bobcat, load 20 trees. So Tono said, okay, sure, Joe, can I just load one more bucket of dirt? They had already loaded and, un and unloaded seven loads of dirt into a dump truck. So it was a repeated motion, you know, where he would drive forward, fill the bucket up with dirt, turn around, then go and like raise the arm and dump it into the dump truck and then back up about four feet and go forward again to pick up the next load of dirt. So Paul Godwin, who was the spotter, Basically, you know, he knew the repeated motion as well. They had already repeated seven motions of loading and unloading the dirt. And like I said, a spotter would be like if um, this company had about 175 employees and the area, the offices and all are on the like 90 acres there where the offices are, you know, the garages and that kind of thing, sometimes where they do training. And if trucks were coming in from the end of the day, you know, and they were loading dirt on that road, that main road there, uh, Paul Godwin or a spotter would maybe stop the truck because the bobcat was there. And, you know, until it was clear and the way was uh, clear for the truck to go through. To go okay, down Adrian. the road. So spotter's a safe so, position. So he, so he so, eventually was caught off guard after he told him, hey, we need to load the truck. He was, during that time, drinking a soda. And that is when Paul Godwin assaulted him. Well, Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. 
Is America's primary system working? Is the Electoral College still the best process for electing a president? Could a third-party candidate ever be successful? In a new season of You Might Be Right, former Tennessee governors Bill Haslam and Phil Bredesen gather the country's top experts to explore these issues and more as we approach the 2024 presidential election. Listen to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee, available now wherever you get your podcasts. Well, well, Joseph said, I need to load 20 trees to the driver. The driver said, okay, can I just load one more? And Joseph said, sure. So he's watched Joseph walk past the left side of the page. A bobcat is six feet long, four feet wide, but heavy, 76 pounds of steel. So he watched Joseph walk past the, it says in the report, walk past the left side of the cage to wait, to just wait. Because he said, I need to load one more bucket. Can can we do that? And Joseph said, sure. And Joseph was a foreman. They were both laborers. And and so Joseph went and just waited, you know, waited. And he said, the driver said, to the area where Paul Godwin was standing. So Joseph was just waiting, you know, I guess not far from Paul Godwin, you know. And and um, then uh, uh Antonio Rubio, the driver, proceeded to back up, and he just waited a minute, proceeded to back up about four, three, four feet in the bobcat out to go forward again to pick up that last load of dirt. He backed up about three or four feet, and before, you know, to straighten it out, and before he ever went to go forward, uh, Paul got to the front of the machine and goes like this to the driver in Arubia. Arubia motioned him to stop and after he backed up. Antonio Rubio looks down and sees a pool of blood, a pool of blood. And he jumps out, he screams, he cries, he pounds on his chest and begs for a priest. And Paul Godwin goes into the office and says, Joe Miranda's dead. And my son was on his stomach, prone, right. completely underneath Let, the bobcat. Let's back up. Let's back up. Underneath. His legs Let's back up just a minute, Ms. Miranda. The acts of Paul Godwin okay. derive from mismanaged <laughs> anger. And... Wasn't it according to the police report, he admitted to feelings of envy? You know, he was frustrated towards your son. He said he was, he was irritated. Irritated, frustrated. So yes. all in all, this wasn't. So that, yeah, that's his, that's obviously his. This was an unjustified assault. He threw, whacked, intentionally shoved Joseph Absolutely. Absolutely. into that path of the oncoming Bobcat. Yes. Into it, knowing, yes, on the oncoming reversing bobcat, he just knocked him into, right into yes, it. Yes. And my son went down, of course. Mm. Uncle Selwyn, were you going to say something? Uh, yes. I have a bobcat, sweetie. And, and my baby boy was crushed to death. I have a bobcat. Crushed to death. And what I'm telling you, sweetie, is I have dissected this thousands of times in my brain. 
And the only way that that could have occurred is if he hit your boy upside the head with a shovel to incapacitate him, have him laying on his stomach, have a bobcat run over him. Because my bobcat is about this far off the ground. Now, could you imagine the viciousness and the maliciousness of a human being that would do that to anybody? Uncle Selwyn, her son was found mangled. He was found, like she said, laying flat on his stomach with his legs hanging out. Can you hear me? His head was crushed. Can you hear me? His legs flat on the ground. His legs weren't hanging. He was flat on the ground. Yes. But he punched him. He said, I gave Jacob one. He gave him more than the one, two. He punched him per intent. Mama, he gave him more than the one, two. Either way, he attacked and viciously assaulted my son and sent him to his death. He murdered my son. And I don't understand how we are talking about a malicious uh, murder by this guy's hands. And we still have to have this dialogue with you because his ass, excuse me, his butt should be in shackles, in chains, in a cage forever. Because it is absolutely impossible for somebody of your son's size to be uh, mangled or ran over unless he was in, unless he wasn't knocked out. He had to be completely incapacitated to lay there and take that. And the anger in which my heart goes through when I think about this, because I've, I've had a month and a half to think about this, sweetie. And this has got to be, and we and Liz hear stories every day about malicious, vicious crimes, just like the young man in Memphis. And the young man in Memphis's case is a deliberate act of anger and violence that act in your baby's case is far more morbid than being a devil or malicious. This is something that's out of the world that somebody would do that to an individual. And we have to sit here and talk about Paul Godwin being free today. It's a mother's worst nightmare first and foremost, to lose your child, but to lose a child so tragically. I, my heart goes out to you, Miss Miranda. I, I can't imagine what, what you're going through, and it's been 17 years, and, and the fact that his murderer is still out walking free. I never saw my baby again. You, you seem like a, an amazing woman. You know, you have a background. And I never saw my baby again. We had to have a closed casket. You had to have a axe. Of a maniac. Just from what you've explained thus far, it's very clear this was no accident, ladies and gentlemen. And you hear the hurt and the pain and the suffering that she still faces day in and day out. She's a good woman. She, they seem like a wonderful family from the little bit that we've got to know them. And you know, she was, uh, she worked in with a nonprofit for assisted living, right? 
and she she just has this amazing aura about her and it's, it's there's no reason why why she should be facing the issues that she has to face today and and we want to help her we need your help you know just show why the person that is responsible for this should be held accountable stay tuned We're back with Setting It Straight with Selwyn. I'm Liz Darden, and we are now going to dive deep into the case of a mother whose son was murdered. Ms. Adrian Miranda is with us today, and if you were listening to the first part of the show, you could hear the grief, the suffering, the torment that she has to go through day in and day out, knowing the one who murdered her son has not been held accountable. You'll see that there's many gaps in this story, like many other stories that we bring attention to. And once again, we're asking for your help. We want you to go to pleasedoyourjob.com, sign her petition, look at all the evidence that is there, help her get her son's case reopened 17 years later. You can follow us at Setting It Straight Selwyn on social media. Stay tuned with what we are bringing because these stories are so prevalent, so important, and it's happening. The injustices and the inequities are happening day in and day out. Here we are with Adrian Miranda. We're gonna jump the gun and get to the questions on, on what really happened the day her son was murdered. I was uh, actually in my bedroom because the police didn't contact us till about 11.30 at night. My son was killed about 3.30 in the afternoon, but um, I was, had the news on, you know, I was brushing my teeth, you know, just getting myself ready to go to sleep. And the phone rang and it was Joseph's dad, Bob. And um, he said, uh, Adrian, and I said, yeah, and he said, you know, um, it, it's Bob. I said, yeah, hi, Bob, and he sounded kind of, you know, he didn't sound right in his voice, and he said, our beautiful baby boy is gone, and I said, what? What, what did you say? He said, our beautiful baby boy is gone, and I started screaming and crying and said, what do you mean gone? What do you mean gone? He said, Joseph was killed today at work. I said, what? I said, how? What happened? Was he shot? What, ha what happened to him? He said, I don't really know everything. I just know something about a piece of equipment. A tractor ran over him. And I, I, I just dropped the phone. I screamed. I cried. I fell to the floor. I was in agony. I grabbed my son's picture. I held it to my heart. I started running through my house and trying to call my mom. And my mom, she picked up and was crying and said, I'm on my way, Adrian. I heard I'm on my way. 
And then my sister came and my brother and, you know, because I, I lived alone at except with Joseph. I mean, he, he and me and his dad had been divorced for some time, but, you know, we both still, you know, I had both physical custody of both my sons, but, you know, um, you know, we still love our children, loved our children, both of us did, you know, and Bob saw his children. But anyway, I, gra I was, I grabbed the picture, I ran to the window out front, just looking for headlights for anybody to, to just come. And I just held on to Joseph's picture to my heart and the tears just, I was just on the ground, just on the ground, like in shock and crying and grief stricken. And then my mom came and Bob and sister and my brother and everybody came just as friends. And they tried to console me. And I do have a friend who's a police officer, Matt. He came and it was just like the whole house was everybody was here just crying and crying and then the, a police officer finally called me his name is David Kitzinger with the Maryland State Police and he said Miss Randa you know I'm calling to let you know that your son was killed today and it is a homicide investigation it's a criminal investigation and I said what happened what happened to my baby and he said, we don't really know yet. We don't really know yet, but he was run over by, by a bobcat tractor. And I said, I said, I don't understand. I don't understand. I just said, where's my boy? Where's my baby? I need to hold him. I need to go hold my child. He said, no, you can't. I said, don't, be, don't tell me I can't hold my baby. And then he said, is there another person there I can talk to? So this David Kitzinger, who was a trooper with the Maryland State Police, he, he put Matt on the phone, Matt got on the phone, the, the police officer in Baltimore County, who's my friend. He just listened to him and he said, he said, you know, Miss Miranda wants to go to her son. And he just listened and I saw Matt just kind of like, like take his head and just like that, tears. And then my sister got on the phone and my sister Lisa you know, what is going on? Where is where is Joseph? Where is my nephew? Where is my sister's son? And he just said he he he's at the morgue, and and then and then she can't see him. And I got back on the phone and I said, "What what do you mean I can't see him? Why why can't I hold my child?" And he said, "No, his injuries." Too bad. His injuries are too horrific, Miss Miranda. No, you can't. That is can't. utterly the and most then, dreadful then, nightmare. Any mother, <laughs> any individual that loves another being to have to face. And I, I can't imagine that you have to go through this with your own beautiful son. Your son was so handsome. And from what I recall from our previous conversations, he was he, handsome. He was a bright young man good heart, well intentions. And you had mentioned that the police called you and told you that it was a homicide investigation off top. What was the final verdict? Yes. What was the final verdict? They called it an accident. An accident. They called it an accident. Even though there's a mountain of evidence even though the medical examiners say it's a homicide, 
by a brutal assault. They, they called it an accident. And when they had this closing meeting almost a year, almost up until a year, it was July 11th. My son was killed July 20th. And the state police had this closing meeting. And I thought at the meeting, they, they just, they had, there was a liaison person other than not this Corporal David Kitzinger because he had ended up being a liar and, and hiding reports and all kinds of different things. It's unbelievable the cover up. It's unbelievable. And and so they put this Lieutenant Dean Richardson on the case and he was my liaison. And he had a lot of compassion. He was trying. They were interviewing people. They already had so much evidence. They already had so, so much evidence, but they tried to hide it. From the beginning, they had 91 crime scene photographs. They only sent one, one of the 91 photographs wow. to the medical examiners. They were conducting a criminal investigation, but they sent the paperwork to the medical examiners said accident. Detective Chuck Moore I think did that. I think it's he important to note, Miss Miranda. And this, I think it's um, important to note. Wasn't there a point in time when the prosecutor accused you of coercing the medical examiner? Yes, yes, yes. That that did happen. That happened just. I was, I guess, like two and a half years oh. ago, because Dateline did a documentary for me. Dateline did. I, I've. I've done so many podcasts and written to so many people, spoken to so many people. I've written a book um, about the true story. But was that uh, the Dateline, uh, the Dateline reporter, she called the attorney who closed my son's death and, and saying that a homicide by an assault is not a crime. Right and opposed all the facts, science, physics, and evidence by the medical examiners, but but he wouldn't take her call. He would not take the Dateline reporter's call, and he put this other woman, um, her name is Officer Peach, he put her on the call, and I'm sure instructed her. Uh, this Veronica Fulton asked her many questions, and she basically, she's an officer, and she's the one that she lied throughout the interview. She lied because she told Veronica that the Baltimore County police were, were there, but they left. And but before they left, they interviewed everybody. They didn't interview anybody, the Baltimore County it's, police at first. It was the mayor. Adrian, it's, it's mind boggling to me because it, isn't it the prosecutor's job to protect the victim? In this case, it, it doesn't seem to be so. Oh, absolutely. That's a prosecutor's job. Yes, yes. And victims have rights and that's their job to protect the victim and to basically certainly make have the arrest, have the charges filed and present it in a court of law and present the facts, you know, to 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 assure that the victim is is going to obtain justice and truth. And that, that perpetrator, that killer, is going to be held accountable. Speaking, that is their job. That is right. What and they speaking are of justice, what does justice look like to you? Verdict was called an accident. The, yeah, it was called an accident. Well, I I don't go by the prosecutor. He's lying and falsifying evidence. It's all it's all true. The medical examiners, all 12 of them, it's ruled a homicide. A homicide means when 
a person's life is taken in the hands of another. And my son's life was taken by Paul Godwin. And the reason how, how is by an assault, a brutal assault, a brutal punch, knock, uh, you know, like knock him out, like, you know, punch him horrifically. That's, that's the assault that took my son, that killed him by Paul Godwin. But justice for me is to have my son's case reopened, have the facts, the evidence, the science, the, the physics presented in a court of law to, to certainly arrest Paul Godwin, to charge him with the murder of my son, and to have it presented before a judge and a jury. I gave him the one too. He was real that, cocky. Again, that's like, the like part that gets to. me the most, Adrian. The fact that he admitted to giving him the one too and saying it so spitefully, out of spite and envy. Yes, and, yes. and, and that's why this is so right. Even the unbelievable that. Like, right, there it is. He attacked I think it's him. necessary for this case to be reopened. And it's important if those, those that are listening, and you hear the anger and the frustration and the hurt, go to pleasedoyourjob.com, sign her petition, help this mother out. This could be, this could happen to anybody. And it's important that we show empathy and show support for those suffering. Listen to the cries. You can make an impact. You can make a difference. And one thing I, I admire about you, Adrian, is the fact that you've been able, while you still have tears, and pain, you're able to turn that pain into power. You're able to write a write a book to show the true story, but also to to shed light and help other mothers going through the same thing. You've you've partnered up with an organization. Can you tell me the name of that organization again? Yes, it's Parents of Murdered Children. Parent, parent. The acronym is P O M C. Parents of Murdered Children. They're a national organization. And the name pretty much suggests what yes. they're about and, and they're, supporting they're, others who parents who have, yes. have faced the tragedy supporting of mothers, fathers, parents. Absolutely. Yes. Yes. And they know, you know, they know Joseph's case. They know Joseph was murdered. They know all of that. And they have a newsletter, a quarterly newsletter. And they have um, every year they have like an annual meeting where parents can come together and you know, just meet each other and grieve with each other and share their stories. And, um, you know, they, 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 in the newsletter, they, they um, talk about different cases and, you know, all different forensics and just different things that are so much apply to, you know, when a case does have resolution, when it is resolved, when the murder is, you know, uh, certainly, um, found guilty of the crime, you know, and but there are many still, you know, like me who are crying out Absolutely. for justice and truth and to have their child's voice what? heard, to have their child's voice heard. Ladies and gentlemen, you hear the grief, you hear the struggle that she is trying to overcome and get that case reopened. You can do your job and help her get the prosecutor to do his job. Go to do please do your job.com, sign the petition, help this loving mother out. She cares so deeply for her son and for other mothers going through the same situation. It's it's time to make a difference. It's time to be a voice for others who 
struggle using their voice. Thank, thank you for you being so here much. with us today, Adrian. Thank you for shedding <laughs> thank light. Until. So thank you, you all so much. I so much appreciate it. You've been listening to Setting It Straight with Selwyn, TMS Studios production, brought to you through Revolver Podcast. If you would like to stay in touch, follow us on Instagram at Setting It Straight Selwyn. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. You might be right. It's simple, but something you almost never hear in politics today, with each side more concerned about scoring political points than solving problems. I'm Bill Haslam, a Republican. And I'm Phil Bredesen, a Democrat. We're former Tennessee governors, and we invite you to listen to our podcast, You Might Be Right. Join us and guests like Al Gore, Paul Ryan, Judy Woodruff, as we take on important issues facing our country. Listen and subscribe to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee.